Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back to another episode of Developing the Leader Within. And I am so excited today to have Wendy Peace from Rapport International with us. Uh, they focus on language and everything that deals with that with business. And so I am so excited to have her. Uh, I have a little bit of background in this, being in the Navy and having some uh, international port visits. And uh, we'll get into that in a little while. But uh, Wendy, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it is so good to have you. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Well, um, I do know uh, in terms of business, how important language uh, can be, especially on the legal side, right? <laughs> uh, but um, I have also experienced how important language could be on the national level. And being in the Navy for 26 years and basically going around the globe hitting ports here and there, uh, we often would get a port brief, uh, which is meant to clarify some things in regards to the culture and the language and the practices of the nations we are going to visit. So I have a, a, a kind of a background uh, in language and translation and all of those things. Uh, but you, uh, with, the, with the founder, trainer, speaker, translation expert uh, expertise that you have. What, uh, what would you say, uh, and, and before we get into that, can you give us a little history, maybe the passion behind Rapport International? Sure. Well, um, I love languages and cultures. Um, I lived in internationally when I was young. I lived in Mexico, Taiwan, and the Philippines, and it's always opened me up to different cultures and languages. Um, and the best thing that I heard about that is, is if you only speak one language or visit one country, it's like living in a mansion and never leaving one room, you know? So there's so much to get out of visiting all these countries. And you just think about the words and the foods and the music and the entertainers and all that we get from all over the world these days. It just adds such a richness to our life. So um, I became the owner of Rapport International about 15 years ago. The company was founded in 1987, so over 30 years ago. And the owner was just ready to move on and do something else. And I looked at it and I went, oh, how cool. This, this takes all the stuff that I'm passionate about and puts it in. So here I am 15 years later still doing it. We've grown every year. I've got a fabulous team that's working with me now. So I love going to work and figuring things out with them and then uh, working with clients to help them gain new markets or communicate clearly with employees or service patients or clients across different languages. So we've developed a lot of best practices and, and ways to connect uh, across languages. So, and I love hearing your, your port visits. It's so important to know the subtleties when you're going into a new country. Right, yeah, those uh, things are held at the highest regard, especially when we're going abroad. Now, 
Um, the, those port visits for sailors are just, you know, a break from the steel cages, right? Uh, yeah. but, uh, but for those that understand uh, the value behind not only the language, the customs, but the value in relationship, because that's yes. really where language could go astray. Uh, yes. It could really sever a relationship that goes back centuries. Uh, and in one day, by one yeah. false move, could that, that could really jeopardize that. Now, uh, our leaders are, are well aware that uh, we have a lot of moving parts in our military, and uh, they prepare for that, and, and they can overcome those things. But just imagine So I'm curious, that. what was the most interesting thing that you learned about one of your port uh, briefings before you went into whatever country it was? Yeah, uh, well, I, the, the most important thing was what did not translate equally between America and a foreign port. Uh, simple things as handshakes were now that, that kind of has gone away here for, for the, for the, you know, for the little time that we're going to be in this uh, situation with uh, Corona, but um, yeah. a simple thing as a handshake could go wrong. Uh, some countries, they don't do that. Uh, some countries do it with the opposite hand. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and yeah. you, if you don't know that you could literally offend someone and it could be at the highest level so you have to know these customs you have yeah. to know what translates appropriately and yeah. um you know um Amer you know one of the things that i realized that uh, uh, as an american going abroad we mistake that everywhere we go is not america <laughs> Right, yeah. right. Yeah, well, you so. know what? Handshakes are really interesting. Do you know why the handshake got started? No, you ever but heard? Uh, I, I'm, hey, tell me. Well, typically people are right dominant hand. Right. No respect to my left-handed child and my dad and all the other people. My wife. But typically <laughs> people are right-handed dominant. So it was a way to put your hand out to say, I don't have a weapon, a sword or a gun in my hand. I'm shaking in a peaceful way. Yet after this coronavirus, I'm a huge fan of uh, of say the Japanese bow or the you know Indian Namaste. Yeah, and yeah. We'll never you know as an American get all the subtleties and and everything along with it. But what I like about the handshake is you're greeting that other person and you're having eye contact with them and saying their name. I'd like to take us to the bow where you still have eye contact with the person. You're putting your hands in front of you and you're acknowledging them and saying their name. Think we can, we could change habits here. I, I believe that uh, habits are hard to break, <laughs> uh -huh. but uh, given the, uh, the implication of, and the effect of this uh, virus, uh, there's a lot of things that are going to change. Uh, right. Uh, undoubtedly, uh, w some will be unwilling to change. But yeah. when you have someone that's unwilling, let's say, hey, I come across someone and, and I'm all for the Japanese. I, I've been in Japan uh, many times and I love the culture there. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't mind putting my hands together and, and, and all of that. But yeah. uh, the moment that someone finds an opposition to the handshake, they'll realize that, oh, wow. So 
that one could easily go away. Yeah, and I'd like the bow better than the elbow tap because the elbow tap is just so hard to corner. Imagine you're in a group of people. You can handshake all around. You can bow all around, but elbow tapping. I've seen the foot you know. tapping. I've seen all kinds of stuff. You know, it was fun. But, but you know, that's interesting. You know, how much, uh, how much of our day-to-day -day language, our expressions of language, uh, how much of that will change because of this? And, uh, yeah. and in America, we're so, um, we're more prone to expression of, of touch, you know, uh, and that may be affected in a big way. So I hope, uh, I hope some people are, are expecting that uh, and are preparing for that. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting, you talk about, you know, uh, going abroad and how important those, uh, those briefings are um, what do you see the importance of uh, language and leadership? Uh, because uh, leaders are used to communicating for the masses. So how, 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 what importance do you see there between those two? Well, one of the biggest mistakes that I see in the United States is leaders expecting everybody in the company to speak English. And so wow. before all this crisis, you know, we were talking to some manufacturing companies who were having a heck of a time hiring people to work on the manufacturing floor. And there was a whole initiative, a workforce initiative about hiring non-English speakers. And the knee-jerk reaction from a lot of traditional leaders is, okay, well, we'll do that and then we'll bring them in and teach them English. Well, not everybody has a propensity for language, but they may have propensity for they may be very skilled in working on a manufacturing floor and you don't want to lose that talent or the knowledge um, of how to do that. So we're able to go into companies and help them figure out how do you attract, how do you retain, and then how do you promote those employees so they really feel part of a culture and can excel um, even if they don't know English. And there's lots of little ways to do that. And um, Boston Centerless is a company that's based just north of um, Boston that has is fabulous. They have a manufacturing floor and how they've been able to pull people in and, and um, promote them and bring them along when they get the knowledge. And in the other way is leaders thinking, oh, you know, I'm in the United States. There's enough of a market here. Why would I even need to think about going um, global or marketing in other languages? Right. And you know, I've always been passionate about how connected the globe is, you know, how the people of the world, this virus has blown me away about just how connected we are. Oh, yes. And the companies that are selling into China right now, they've got a leg up. I mean, China's starting to open the market now. So I'm saying if you're looking for an opportunity, figure out how to market online or, or translate your materials on your website and target the Chinese market because they're going to start ramping up their economy quicker than we are. Right. So we have all sorts of suggestions on our website, you know, knowledge on how to do this and how to go about thinking about it. You know, whether you need to translate your whole website or really just target down the customers you're doing. So I think it's a whole, don't just say, oh, you've got to speak English, but how do you speak the language of your audience so you can speak to more people? Yes, I've seen that be a huge hindrance in uh, people's addressing uh, potential customers, and especially in leadership. 
um, I knew a, uh, I had a leader and well, let's just say if your leader, your leader spoke different languages and uh, you had a diverse group, but as you stated, right, can actually do a great job in, in what they do, but maybe doesn't necessarily speak uh, English, that would make you one of the best leaders that they've ever seen because you have not only uh, stretched yourself out, because it is a, it's a huge stretch to go past your native tongue. Uh, yes. you, know, you, have to, you have to be adventurous. You have to say, you know, well, I want to do this because first for myself. Now, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm blessed. I speak English and Spanish. So at least I have those two. Um, and I exposed myself, uh, although be it, it was with the Navy, to different yeah. cultures, different countries, different languages. And I've been, even incorporated that uh, in my home. Uh, every time I like to cook, so every time we cook a dish from a foreign country, I play the music from that land while we're oh, cooking. Oh, that's great. Yeah, while we're cooking I and we're going, I, I expose my children to an international flair because I had that while I was in the Navy. Uh, uh, but that's something, uh, since I believe leadership starts at home, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I I made sure that we do that at home, and we we go around the world, you know, several times a month, uh, and never leave the house. I am uh, so <laughs> gonna put that in because I've been cooking. I've gotten some recommendation. Well, in the U.S., we say when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, I posted this a LinkedIn post about that, and somebody from um, Lindsay Eek, um, who I'm connected with on LinkedIn, he said, "Oh, and here in Nigeria, we say when life gives you peppers." make pepper soup. So we ended up making pepper soup. It's absolutely fantastic. I got a recipe off of Google. So I should have played Nigerian music, but next time I will. But I want to go back to the point you were making about leaders, like they can stretch themselves to learn another language. Like that's a high bar to set. Mm -hmm. I think there are simpler things to do. And when we have um, a speaker who is speaking at a conference, to an audience that may have an interpreter, either headset or consecutive interpreters, we, we coach them, if they're open to it, on how to speak so the interpreters have an easier time in making sure that their message is given clearly. Right. Number one is don't use sports references. I mean, if I talk about, you know, the um, LPM, um, shot a hard one to the top right corner and then he ran around to the X spot. Do you even know what sport that is? <laughs> no. My kids played lacrosse. I didn't either, you know? So the long pole midi, he shot to the top right corner and then ran behind the net to try to catch it. Yeah, I mean, if I say something like that, the interpreter is lost and then they've lost the audience and it's really hard to get back in. So even if you talk about hitting a home run, you know, for a company in the United States, other countries don't play baseball. So number one is don't use sports references. Not everybody's going to get them. Number two is avoid humor. Because you and I both know that humor doesn't translate across languages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you also know that you're fully bilingual when you start getting the humor in the other language. Right. Um, number three, 
is to speak very clearly in shorter sentences, not rambling sentences, so that people, if it is their second language, they can understand or the interpreter can catch it. And so those are things that even if you're a, you know, monolingual person that you can do that an interpreter can help you. Now, the next step is um, a friend of mine from business school, Gary Giles, he was working for a company where he was going over to present, I think it was Korean. Yeah, Korean. And he asked us not just to translate it into Korean, but give the phonetic pronunciation. So when he got up in front of the crowd, he could read the phonetic, I mean, he practiced so he could deliver it effectively, but he, he, you know, warmed the crowd by trying to speak the language of the audience. So he could, that was a good way to connect. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. So, so basically knowing your audience as in all things, when you're speaking is one of the most important things. Yes. And, and what really translates. So it, it, it begs to do homework. It begs to have somebody yes. uh, coordinate these things uh, where you are not uh, potentially going to go from a, a, a great speech or a great event or a great meeting to a disaster. Right. right. You didn't know. Uh, yeah, we've seen that before where we've tried to coach the CEO and just up there, long talk, not clear thoughts, lots of sports references, and the, the audience just didn't get it. Now, that's another thing that I'd add. So those are things that you can do. And then the preparation beforehand, if you are speaking with an interpreter, is to provide any materials you have in advance because the interpreters want to do a good job. So they're going to go through your PowerPoint presentation or your materials or your website to make sure that um, they're prepared. And if there's any industry specific terminology, they're going to read it. And then before the event actually stop, starts, talk with the interpreter. You know, you might be able to have hand signals like, hey, slow it down a little bit so the speaker knows or you're doing a good job, or you have to figure out whatever is appropriate and make sure right. you're using signals that, that make sense to both of you and aren't offensive. Now, those, are, those are very important in terms of leadership and how you execute. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we've spoken about these things that have come up or potential things that have come up. Uh, what have you seen uh, that is like the greatest issue in business and language? Uh, what what have you come across uh, throughout the, your your 15 years, of, you know, uh, with the company and doing this for for a long time, uh, as a maybe a recurring thing that business owners and leaders need to be aware of? Do I have to pick one, or can I pick two? You can pick two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number one is well, in no particular order. One is is just the fear of doing it. People have this fear of, I don't know the language, so how am I gonna make sure that the quality is good? And so therefore they, they don't do anything. And then the second problem is quality. Sometimes people will get over the fear and then they go out and they say, well, I don't know how to judge quality, so I'm gonna shop on price. And then they may get an employee or they may get a distributor or they may get an unqualified person to do any of the um, you know, translation work 
Interpreting is spoken, and we were just talking about interpreters. Now I'm going to switch over to translation, which is written. And so they'll go for a, a low-cost, unqualified person to do the translation. And that can run into problems. Like, you, you know, you're bilingual. What do you think about Google Translate? Uh, it's a hit or miss. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So you spend all this time putting together your website, and then somebody pops the Google Translate plugin in, and you got a hit or miss translation. Like, why not be strategic about it and think about who your audience is? What are you trying to say to them? What do you, you, you know, what's, what's your message? Right. And then narrow down that content and make it an affordable project. And then you can measure what's coming from it because we've got all the online tools to do that now. Right. So I'd have to say the two which are intertwined is fear and then not knowing how to judge quality. And that's where we've come in to help a lot of people. It, it's funny how that translates across the board as far as execution, right? Fear will freeze you and it will, yeah. it will, it will pose other challenges to come up. And, and you, while you're focusing on that, here comes the other, here comes the other. Uh, but uh, not, not only will it, will it freeze you, uh, it will make you paranoid about the quality and, and, and all of that. And it's, it's funny how that, that, those two are coupled throughout the life cycle of a business. They'll come together in phases, or maybe not the, the uh, you know, one after the other or in any specific order, but those are the two things that can really stop you from growing, from uh, being successful, from doing a lot of things in business. Uh, so yeah. it's great that you, uh, that you highlighted those two. Um, and and so with with challenges right and we all have them uh in business or in trying to create a business or develop a business um wh what would you say are the top three things you would uh tips for leaders concerning language uh communication uh and things of that nature yeah so i'd say the first thing is really be open to marketing across languages and you can go global or you can stay in the United States for that. So did, do you know what country has the first and the second largest Spanish speaking population in it? No, I, I would, I would be only assuming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I happen to have some answers for all you. Right, all right. <laughs> okay. So Mexico mm -hmm. has the largest Spanish speaking population. Easy to export. It's right across the border. Right. You can do North American packaging and you can sell to Mexico. You add French onto it. You can go to Canada. So you're not even leaving North America. The country with the second largest Spanish speaking population is the United States. Which would have been my two guesses. <laughs> oh, good, good. Okay. Would have been. I was gonna say the U.S. and obviously Mexico is the second largest, but. Yeah, yeah. And so, do you ever watch Telemundo? Uh, we we have in the past, but not. Yeah. We've we've steered away from from TV for a while. Oh, from but, TV. But, okay. Yeah, but we but we're well aware of it. Yeah. Right. And so when you go on Telemundo, one of my favorite things to do is watch the Olympics on English 
speaking TV and then go over to Spanish speaking TV. And I watch the ads because they're the same ads going on. It's just the ads have been modified to be in Spanish because the advertisers on there know that there's so many Spanish speakers wow. in the United States. Even if they're bilingual, they'll watch the Spanish speaking TV. I mean, I love it. The kids are learning to speak Spanish. And so the advertisers are on there and you've got all the major car manufacturers. You've got, um, you know, all the Procter and Gamble, the General Mills products. You've got the fast food restaurants. So, um, you know, companies that have something that can sell out to, to consumers, just look at what you can do right here in the United States. Or, like I was talking, add the French and Spanish to it and you've got the North American market without even leaving here. So I think that's the first thing is, is just open your eyes to it and um, look into it. The other thing for companies that just do it, you know, hats off to Nike for having the just do it, right. is they, um, companies grow faster, bring more to their bottom line, pay their employees higher, last longer. So you become a much stronger company if you learn how to export and sell across languages. So I think, you know, number one is just do it. Um, and when you do it, don't make translation just a separate part of your company. Build it into your culture. Hire people that look differently from you. Build in diversity and inclusion because those people that you hire that are different from you are going to bring new ideas. They're going to connect to different people on social media. They're going to bring improvements to your product. Um, so that's, that's a good way to become better at it. And um, the third I'd have to say is, is hire the right agency or people to do your translations appropriately. You don't want to mess around with quality because you spend so much time developing your marketing message and doing all your strategy and then building or, you know, coming up with your services that you're going to do. If you're going to reach out across other languages, make sure you get the right people or agency to do your translation. Um, and I, there's stuff on our website about, you know, the pluses and minuses of hiring employees or distributors. And then what do you look for in hiring the right agency? Bigger may not be better. You may be better off with the smaller one, but if you've got special technical requirements, what are you gonna look for there? So have the right people and then stay consistent with whoever is doing your translation. Wow, those are, those are all wonderful. and. Uh... Um, uh, as you were talking and, and talking about the Olympics, I, I quickly remembered, um, because you said that you watch uh, Telemundo, when uh, the earthquakes were at its peak, and, and believe it or not, they're still going on in Puerto Rico. Still, they're still oh. going on. Uh, it's just that it's not the biggest news, right? So they've been dealing with this since December of last year. Um, but... I remember when me and my wife were looking at the news uh, that they uh, put a, an ad. And in the ad was a lady and her child at a grocery store. Now, <laughs> and any other time this ad would have been great. But the aisles started shaking. <gasps> the aisles started shaking. And it was because the product was so powerful. Well, 
but they ran it while Puerto Rico, a Spanish-speaking country, no doubt looking at that, and while people who are in America, they have families there, they were running this ad at the same time as they were going through this disaster. And the first thing that struck me uh, was how inappropriate to to put an ad out like this. And so that little thing that, I mean, someone in that whole entire company could have said, hey, we can't run that ad. They're they're suffering major earthquakes down there right now. Yeah. (laughs) And so simple. Uh, So something that would have probably, like I'll tell you, how I interpret it was they didn't do their due diligence to see if this was the proper time to put it out. And so whatever, I don't even remember what the product is because initially in my head, I just locked it out. Yeah. I I said, I'm not even going to get that. (laughs) Because it's so insensitive. It was insensitive to the time. And so leaders if uh, and 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 this is a, just a general call to leaders if you have a product if you want the proper uh translation if you want the proper interpretation if you want uh the proper message to be put out uh and you're looking into a global arena or just even just another country type of arena with your product i implore you to uh, reach out to rapport international with uh with uh, wendy and and have them make it right because you do not want to be the other commercial that comes out uh with the wrong interpretation Uh, and it wasn't even that the product was wrong and that it wasn't a good product it was just insensitive and those are the pitfalls the true pitfalls of language and interpretation and mm-hmm. translation that we as leaders must be weary of. Yes. Because it could mean the last of our company. It really could. Yeah. So for all leaders yeah. out there, I, I encourage you to reach out to Wendy and Report International. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for the time you've given us, the advice, the tips, the backgrounds, uh, I am sure that our community, uh, our listeners will uh, be enriched by what you have shared. And so I want to thank you again for being with us. Muchas gracias, Enrique. De nada. Okay, <laughs> folks, until, until next week, uh, success to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. Until then, success to you.